and welcome to this week's episode of Sipping on Country. And I'm here with Ava Page. Welcome. Hi, happy to be here. I am so glad you could make it in. Uh, we were supposed to be scheduled on Tornado Day, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> rescheduled that yeah, one. Yeah, I was not, I didn't more than want to drive in that. <laughs> Don't blame you. I was, oh my gosh. I was here, bunk, hunkering, what's the word? Bunking down yeah. um, from that, so... That was all fun and games, but now yeah. now we just have insane cold. So yep. you know, but yep. it's early in the year. Just hope so. the snow apocalypse doesn't come early. Right. So I like. I can't wait for the snow. I'm excited. <laughs> um. So tell us a little bit about yourself. You're a local artist, singer, songwriter. Um. How did you get here? What's What's going on with you? Who are Who is Ava Page? Oh Lord, how long do you have? Um. You know, I mean. <laughs> No, uh, I started music when I was 10 years old, so I was born and raised here in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, yes, one of the rare few left in town, I swear, all you transplants. I'm, no, sorry, I'm, I'm part of the problem, guys. I'm, I'm nah, part of the nah, problem. I love it. It's amazing. <laughs> but uh, it is funny that we are called unicorns because there's not many people left in, in the industry that are from here. But um, yeah, I started playing guitar when I was seven years old. Um, always loved music. I didn't really have anybody in my family who did music professionally, but we always loved, you know, listening to the radio and my dad played a little bit of guitar my mom played a little bit of piano so I've always been surrounded by music my whole life but I honestly never knew it could be a career until I was 10 years old so um which can I just say that in itself as a sentence is wild to be like <laughs> I didn't know I could make a career of this until until I was like 10 man I just I figured it out so late <laughs> At 10 years no, old, no, no. most kids are like, I don't even know what I want to do. Well, I, d I just didn't think about it. Right. So, I mean, I, I mean, I was playing guitar and I knew that I loved it and mm -hmm. I did musical theater and stuff. And I knew that I, I just loved being around music. But, you know, you just really don't think about, oh, I could, you know, when they talk about career pathing right. and stuff, I could do this. I could do this. Right. Exactly. But I really didn't know until I was 10 because um, it was a huge, like, coincidence, God incidence thing that happened. But um, I got to sing karaoke with Kelly Clarkson. And so I was at a restaurant called Sam's in the Water in Old Hickory. And um, I go there quite often with my family. So we were there having dinner, doing our thing. And Lightning 100 had set up a karaoke booth. And so nobody was coming up and singing because, I mean, everybody's just eating dinner in rural, you know, right. Old Hickory. And so <laughs> me being a spunky 10-year-old theater kid, I was like, hell yeah, I'll go up and do some songs. So I did a few, and um, a few more people started coming up, and it, you know, the, the the lineup got a little full. So we were actually about to leave, and then the announcer said, "Please welcome special guest, surprise guest, Kelly Clarkson." And so they had, she was just there. I mean, she lives right at the lake from from Sam's, right. and so she was just there with her family, with her kids, just hanging out, you know, eating ribs, and. Um, she went up and sang, I think, Summer Lovin', the Summer okay. Lovin'. Yeah. yeah. And absolutely rocked it, and she's amazing. And so, again, spunky 10-year-old theater kid, I was like, I'll go up and ask her to sing with me. And so I walked up to her, interrupt her mid-dinner, uh, and said, hi, would you sing with me? And to my surprise, she said yes. And so... Um, she probably was like, this kid has got... <laughs> like, what? I don't know. This I... <laughs> I don't know why she said yes, but she it. did. And um, uh, so she said, what song do you want to sing? And I said, B-52's Love Shack. And so, because I loved that song at the time. And so I, she said, put our name on the sheet. 
So I did. And sure enough, like 30 minutes later, they called our name and she came up there and we sung B-52's Love Shack together. Mom recorded it, put it on social media, got some attention. I got interviewed by my local news station, which getting out, getting pulled out of fifth grade, like the getting pulled out of your classes to get interviewed by the news is pretty sick. So I got insane bragging rights from my fellow fifth graders. Um, But that showed me you know what music was and like that that's like she was a person who did music professionally right and through that i got invited to a writer's round which showed me the writing side of it which showed me you know there are songwriters out here writing these songs that you hear on radio and i want to be one of them and so that's what started me into the okay i think i want to do this i think i want to learn more so i started writing you know original songs and everything and came back a week later after performing a cover at a writer's round my first original song a week later and so how old were you at that point ten yeah, so. it's, wi- it's wild. <laughs> I wrote my first song at 10. Uh, or I was writing before that, but writing in big flying air quotes. I mean, it was just like, you know, God made the trees and the flowers and the clouds. and <laughs> Hey, a song is a song, A right? song is a song, I suppose. But, um, yeah, my first real song I wrote when I was 10, and I performed it at a writer's round. And I started co-writing. I started, you know, learning as much as I could. I joined organizations like NSAI and Songtown and, you know, just try to learn as much as I could. And um, just for anyone who maybe isn't uh, aware. So NSAI is the Nashville Songwriters Association International. Yes. Um, I was a member a long time. I just never renewed that membership. But um, they offer a lot of support for uh, songwriters not just in town, but, you know, anyone yeah, who wants to join. Yeah, all the world. Um, you can get feedback on songs. They hold... Uh, Workshops and, like, song pitches yeah. and stuff like that. You can go right there. They mm-hmm. have writer's rooms. Um, so they're a really great... If you're new into town, go t- contact them. Yeah. Or even if you're not in town, if, if, even if you want to learn what the songwriting thing is about, definitely contact NSAI. They are a amazing resource to have. So honestly, when I was a part of them, I was still living in the UK and mm-hmm. I was just traveling out here. So um, they they post all the workshops and everything they, they do um, with, with people in the industry. They post everything online. So yes. I was able to take all of that in from the UK not even being here and then when I did come into town um, I was able to then make the most of it so yeah definitely Absolutely. as a songwriter fantastic resource definitely yeah they're, they're amazing but I joined them and I uh, still do some work with them but I uh, just learned as much as I could and so I got my first standing gig on Broadway at 12 um, Nashville's Broadway not not New York. Um, <laughs> no, the, the best Broadway guys. Nah, the the, the bars downtown <laughs> Nashville. Uh, but got got my first standing gig at twelve. I started performing, you know, twice a week there. By the end of twenty eighteen, beginning of twenty nineteen, I was doing around one hundred fifty plus shows a year and trying to expand and learn as much as I could about the music industry. I think I have a lot of respect for you. I just think as a as a kid to be so focused on one thing. I mean, you just you don't you don't find it a lot. You know, like it, it's hard. Kids are inherently most most people at ten years old. They have an idea of what they want to do, but then they're like, "Oh, but I could do this." And and to be so focused <laughs> that you know you have pursued all of this up to up to now. Like you you've done incredible. And I mean, you've oh, you've also got a amazing story. You know, you have for any. I'm I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people listening to this that know your name. Um, but you've obviously, you know, you've, you've fought your battles. You've come through the other side. Yep. And, I mean, that's all part of who you are Absolutely. now yeah, as yeah. as a writer. I don't know if you want to talk a little bit yeah, about Yeah, yeah. Um, so for those of you who don't know all of my story at all, um, 
So, as I mentioned, begin beginning of 2018, or sorry, beginning of 2019, end of 2018, I was doing around 150 plus shows a year, uh, traveling all over the country, you know, writing twice a day, five days a week. And then I was hit a huge blow on July 1st of 2019 when I was diagnosed with cancer. So it was a very sudden diagnosis. Um, I was actually doing a small tour in Texas. Knew something wasn't right. We came back home. Uh, my mom rushed me to my pediatrician. She ran my blood counts and um, she said something is not right here. I don't know what it is exactly, but it could be cancer. So we're sending you to Vanderbilt Children's Hospital, my local children's hospital. And uh, six doctors walked in, closed the door, and told me I had leukemia. So um, they told me I had to start chemotherapy immediately. And I was in the hospital for about a month and a half straight. And about a week or so into my treatment, they did a bone marrow biopsy. Uh, they did a bone marrow biopsy like the second or third day that I was an in, inpatient. They had to wait till my counts got up a little bit first. But um, when they took a bone marrow sample, they could barely find any bone marrow because it was all filled with leukemia cells because leukemia is just inherently aggressive. But um, they were surprised that it, it spread that quickly. And then they ran my... Um, my cell sample and it ended up coming back that had a remutation of leukemia called hypodiploid. So it makes it a lot harder to cure, a lot easier to come back. And they told my parents that I probably would never get into remission. Wow. And so, um, we had a, you know, just sit down with my doctors and be like, okay, you know, what, what do we know? We know three things. Uh, we know that we can put faith and we can put trust in my doctors. I could put trust and faith in my family and I could put trust and faith in my God. And I know those three things will be the things that pull me through. They, they're your constants. Exactly. Yes. Let the world go crazy. Those three things will always have my back. And so we said, okay, how do we fight this? What's our plan? You know? And so they, they gave me my whole treatment plan laid out. And again, I started intense chemotherapy. Um, me being me, of course I can't be I can't be normal, I guess. Uh, I had to have so many side effects. You know, my parents always said I was special, but I really hoped it wouldn't. I mean, it, it wouldn't transfer over, but it sure <laughs> daggum did. But you might, you might as well milk it while you can. I guess, shoot, man. If you if you're gonna do it, do it properly. No, Let's it, just go it, all exactly. in. You know. No, my docs would joke around and say it, t it takes like three hours to open up your file because I've had so many like all the rare side effects like these have a point whatever oh. chance of happening i got and so i'm like a walking case study of just medications <laughs> but um no nah, i had a lot of complications with with my medications and all that when, when you're fighting cancer you're not just fighting cancer you're fighting all the side effects of chemotherapy right. you're fighting you know this foreign thing in your body you're basically just killing everything in your body hoping that it gets the cancer right. it's it's it's, it's honestly wild but um the biggest roadblock that i probably have during my treatment was um, I had a fungus actually enter my nose and eat half my nose. Oh, wow. So um, my mom was the one who caught it. And if she didn't catch it, it would have killed me in like two weeks. So, yeah, it was thank God that she caught it. Um, but I just didn't, ha didn't have an immune system. So it just I breathed right. it in. Everything just there's nothing to fight anything. Off. Exactly. Yeah. So I just breathed it in and uh, my mom looked at my nose when it was like dry and I was messing with it and it was all black and necrotic. And she's like, OK, yeah, that's not yeah. right. So, you know, the nurse called in the fellow, fellow called in the residence. Soon enough, I had a cavalry of people in my room and then I was in emergency surgery about seven hours later wow. and I had to have five surgeries to get uh, my septum removed. And so um, I don't have a separation to my left and right nostril anymore. Okay. Um, but they put me on a trial medication and uh about a month and a half later I was in remission and I was um fungus free so it was wild both of the things that they, is, they said would incredible. never happen right. yeah 
And so with leukemia, it's a little bit different. Um, when you get into remission, you're just in the semi-clear. You don't officially get into remission after f- until five years okay. pass. So I the cancer wasn't detectable by test, but mm-hmm. since they can't scan your whole entire body, um, that means leukemia could still be hiding. So you had right. to do two and a half or more years of preventative treatment. Okay. So like that means the hardest part is over. Just right. the step down. Just, from, yeah. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> but that's a... but it was it was a miracle that my my docs decided to take a chance on me and try try, try a trial medicine, and it worked. So I also um a and I know that there's a a huge amount of science right. Just thinking positive does not fix things. But you are an incredibly positive person, and I actually think I first met you in the hospital. Yeah. With Bill and Patty. Yeah, it probably yeah. was. Oh um, my gosh. You and your yeah. mum. And yeah. um, I just, I, I've always strongly believed that just having a positive outlook can really change how your body works. You Absolutely. Know, I mean, yeah. It's like even just having like a bad cold, you know, like you can sit around and be like, oh, my nose is stuffy or like, and you just, you do, you inherently feel worse when you dwell on it. But if you kind of just go, all right, this is, I've got a stuffy nose, but let's just get on with it. You feel better. Yeah. I realise that's not a, a great comparison to Yeah, yeah. To cancer, no, no. But it is. I think it it is. It, I mean, I mean posi- like a positive mindset won't, it doesn't heal wounds, but it makes them heal faster. Yeah. So it's like, I, I know, I mean, I, I was very, very, very lucky to have an incredible sport team around me. I mean, they, they're the ones who, you know, when I was feeling like crap, mm-hmm. you know, mom could call in a friend and they, you know, start playing songs and I start feeling better. But um, I truly believe a positive mindset will change your life. And yeah. and if you're in a situation like I was with cancer and, you know, you have a grim prognosis, it's like the only thing you can do is stay positive. And, right. I mean, it's like if, if I just would have laid there and been like, okay, well, you know, Lord, take me, right. then I probably would have. Like, you know, but it, it's – I knew I, I knew deep down that I, I could win. I, I got this. And so um, I know – I truly believe because of that support system around me and because of that mindset, that's the reason why I'm still standing and sitting here. I mean, genuinely, I think it it, it can do wonders. Uh, yeah. And I mean, did you did you really find, the, did you dig into music a lot during that time as well? Because I know, Definitely. you know, emotionally, mentally, I'm sure you were drained from a lot of <laughs> just just the treatment, right? I mean, yeah, it, it, yeah. It is, it's tough. But I probably didn't write for a good year and a half because chemo fog and chemo brain is a very real thing and a lot of times I just felt gross and so I didn't really want to co-write and then I, I wrote a couple songs by myself but nothing like that I'd ever play out but um yeah but musically wise I just I just dove into it with friends and you know I I got a new perspective for music and a new relationship with music after it because I, I noticed that music is such a special medium and the fact that it can connect with you and connect with a million people or mm-hmm. connect to one person more than any other thing can, right? You can yeah. listen to a song in Latin or, you know, or a song in name a language that you don't understand, yeah. but you still feel the emotion behind the lyric. You still feel the emotion in the yeah. singer's voice. So and that's so special. You say that and actually especially just recently, I love Celine Dion. She is not a guilty pleasure. She is pure pleasure. Um, no <laughs> guilt involved. But some of my favourite Celine Dion songs are her French songs. And I mean, yeah. I, I, 
I understand a few words in French. Generally, when it's being sung, like, it's very hard for me to pick it out. Yeah. But it doesn't, like, it doesn't matter. I can still listen to a three and a half minute song in French, not really have a very loose idea of what's going on. And you're right. It just, there's something about it. It Music, music is amazing and it, it, it transcends so many other yeah. things. You know, nothing matters. You could have two people in a room that disagree on absolutely everything <laughs> and you play one common song, the one thing they don't disagree on. Yeah. And all of a sudden for that three minutes, like, they're you know they're worth it. yeah it's, and it's amazing it's 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 the mass connector right it's just it has a way of affecting people and connecting people mm -hmm. that nothing else does and I know throughout my journey it truly helped me heal and, and it kept me positive and in my incredible musical family as well I mean my my buddies would just come in and you know bring guitars and at one point there'd be you know 15 to 20 musicians in my hospital room at one time and I have a, a GS mini Taylor that I absolutely love it's a smaller um six string guitar and every person who walked into my hospital room had to sign it and so uh, i think you did i think I yeah did. yeah sorry about that but no no <laughs> gosh no um but you, i'll be on there somewhere yeah it's, it's on there and i still have it hanging up in my room and i swear it's, it's the most prized possession that i own because it shows you know that support system and it's whenever i'm going through anything i know that those people have my back and it's like nashville has my back and it's it's has this way of healing and i mean it's it's crazy where um I wouldn't again I wouldn't be sitting here with it right. without that and I wouldn't be sitting here without music. I also love that I mean everything you went through you've also taken that and made made it part of your music and part of what you do. You know, I know you you work a lot to bring awareness to that. There was definitely a time where I could not walk into Walmart without seeing your <laughs> face on a Vanderbilt Children's Hospital Lord, thing at the till. Yeah. Um but I love that you've taken that experience that, you know, I mean, it wasn't, you know, it was a negative experience that yeah. you, you turned and you made it into something special and you really bring awareness to that now through yeah. your music. I mean, when life throws the challenges your way, it's your choice to take those challenges and become a better person because of them and turn that into something positive that you can use. And so I, I truly believe that. And I always like to clarify, you know, I'm a musician who got cancer, not a cancer patient who sings. Yep. That is a very clear line in the sand that I draw. And like, y'all, yeah, I get it the other way around sometimes. Like, no, no, no. But cancer is a part of me. It's not yep. the whole book, but it is definitely a chapter. And um, I know my experience is one of the lucky ones and I, I fully know that and um I mean there's you know 64 kids I think a day that get diagnosed with cancer just wow. cancer and so um it's it's crazy I mean there, there's so many other kiddos who are going through what I went through and it, the process needs to change I mean I'm a big advocate on finding alternative treatment plans mm -hmm. for for chemo because Chemo, it does its job. It works wonders. Western medicine does its job. But at the same time, it's like it kills everything. And I know so many friends and I know so many fellow warriors out there who have lifelong side effects or have sadly passed away due to side effects from right. chemotherapy. And so, I mean, that's why we fight. And that's mm -hmm. why, you know, we need a change. And I'm honored that, you know, I get to work with these charities that I truly believe are making a mark on the world and making a change. And, um, I mean, last year, not last year, sorry, it's 2024 now. In 2023, no, 
22, sorry. Oh, we're there. We're, we're what somewhere. is time? Um, in 2022, I helped raise over $10 million for cancer research wow. and cancer hospitals. And so um, I've even just started my own nonprofit charity called Picking and Kicking Cancer with Ava Page. And I'm hoping to do a um, gift basket centered towards teens because teens kind of get overlooked sometimes in the hospital stays. Nice. And, like, there's only so much a kid can do with slime. Right. <laughs> And I'm, I'm going to make sure yeah. that I link to all of this. Yes, so please, in the description, yeah. we're going to have all these links so people can go yeah. check it out and support and, and see, you know, all the work that you're yeah. doing on, on that side of things. Yeah, I'm just I'm just honored to. I mean, I've gotten to do so many amazing charities, talking to CEOs and major corporations and showing them, hey, you know, this is what I went through and this is what you're helping change. Mm -hmm. So keep on, keep on supporting. I mean, the, the, the two major charities that I work with are Rally Foundation for Cancer Research and uh, CMN, Children's Miracle Network Hospitals. And um, they do incredible work. I mean, both of them, you know, are just the people in that organization are so passionate about what they do, what they love. And, you know, at the center of all of it, it is bettering cancer treatment and helping kids. Yeah. And it's just like, I, again, I've done these organ I've done these events for these organizations, and um, I, I went to one one time, and it was a uh, Speedway sponsored it, and um, there's 50 kids went from each state from their local children's hospital, and all of these kids were undergoing or have undergone treatment, but they just walk up to you and go, "Hey, what you got?" And I go. I got leukemia. What you got? Because I got brain tumor. I'm good, though. Mama says I'm good to play. And he go, run off. And then they, they just, they don't know. And their, their, their tenacity and their just blissfully ignorant life, it's, it's, it's beautiful. Yeah. And it's like, we, we need that mindset sometimes yeah. of just yeah. to know. Kids need to be kids even when yeah, you're going we need, through but we, that. We need to not forget how to be kids. Like, yeah. we can't forget how to be kids sometimes because that will, that just like, Oh, this thing happened to me? Okay, when can I play? Like, right. it, it's just that I don't care that I'm battling cancer. I want to go play with Jimmy mm -hmm. down the road. Like, it, it's that of, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll take this medication if it don't mean I'll, I'll get to do what I, like, it, it's that mindset that gets them through. And it, they're, they're amazing. And they're amazing kids. And it, it truly shifted my mindset of we need to be more like a kid a lot of times. Right. So, but they are why we fight. They're, they're why we, you know, want alternative medicine plans and all that sort of stuff. I love that. And yeah, I say I'm going to make sure I link because I think it's really important that people um, check that out. And like you said, you are first and foremost, you're an artist, you're a songwriter that went through a tough time rather than the yeah, other way yeah. around. So we're going to I wanted to make sure I touched on that because I know that obviously that's very important to you. Um, and I think it's it's good to share. But one thing that didn't do was change anything about your talent in terms of <laughs> your writing, your performing. I mean, again, just to, to start at 10 and have so much focus. I mean, it shows. It shows in your writing. It shows in your performing. I know you post a lot on social media, um, yes. which social media is, is king now in, oh, Lord. in the music industry world. I can get um, on a whole rant, but we don't right. have time for Ugh. that. Um, but you've also, I mean, you, you co-write a lot yes. um, and you've been really fortunate. I mean, you've got some fantastic uh, co-writers around you. Amen, um, yes. I'd love to hear a little bit about. Yeah, um, I've always been fortunate that being in Nashville, you get to meet so many amazing people and I've just gotten to make so many amazing friends. And I mean, um, I have my, my people that I love to write with, like my just core group. Like I love... Becca Ray, she's absolutely phenomenal. I wrote a bunch of songs with her. John Mullins is a great buddy of mine. Go check him out. He's an amazing pop artist. He's 
absolutely amazing. I want to put all these, all these yes, names. Yes, yes, please in the do. He, uh, we, re- he actually released a song that we wrote together called Heartless r- r- recently, and he's released uh, some stuff that we've written together. But he's one of the best voices you'll ever hear. Period. And I don't say that lightly. But he is just an absolutely amazing person and just uh, amazing writer and amazing singer. Um, Marla Cannon Goodman is another one that I write a lot with. She is amazing. Um, we actually met through my brother. Uh, my brother dated her daughter's best friend. And so it was a wild thing. Hey, but it's Nashville. These no, connections it is. It's so funny. No, but she saw um, Preston post, my brother post something about me on his story. And Marla loves Preston, her daughter not so much. Um, so she saw it and she's like, hey, I want to meet this girl. And then we wrote, and then we've been writing ever since, and that was like three years ago. Wow. And so we write, you know, a, probably we have probably over 75, 80 songs together just in the past couple years. Nice. So she's amazing. Um, but I don't know. There's just so many cool people here in town. And it's like, if you ever come to Nashville and you think you're going to be the best writer, you're wrong. Yeah. I mean, and you'll find out real quick. Exactly. You'll well, get humbled you know? real fast. <laughs> no, it's like, there, there are so many talented people in this industry. And what a honor and what a just incredible thing it is that we get to work with them, right? Yeah. Where it's... It's amazing that I get to walk into a room with somebody and hear their mind and hear mm-hmm. their perspective and know their heart. Yeah. And it's like when I'm the artist in the room, you know, I get to spill my heart out to random strangers or there's another artist in the room and, you know, we just start talking and we create something out of nothing and that process is beautiful. And it's every now and again you have to take a step back and realize what you're doing. And it's like, oh, my God, I get to sit down in a room with three of my friends or three people that I've never met before in my life and create something. Right. And it's so beautiful, right? And it just, really is. It's it's the beauty of the music industry. It's just it's the beauty of music, and it's just, it's just it's just crazy. I mean, I feel like there's not many scenarios as well where you can bring people together and everyone just be vulnerable. So I exactly, feel like really yeah. you have to be. You know, I mean, if yeah. you wanna if you wanna write a great song, like you have to lay everything out there yeah. even if it's like a fun party so like there's still is, yeah. there's more that goes into it and i've to heard be able more to drop those. crazy drunk blackout stories when writing party songs that they've never shared with anybody but it fit the song and yeah. so we just lay it all out there but it's 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 beautiful and i mean I, I feel honored to be able to 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 walk into a room with friends and people and be able to just sit down and write but um yeah it, it's crazy i know as a, as a musician though it's i forever radio has forever been ruined for me because I can't just sit, li- like, and listen to music anymore. Yeah. I'm always, like, analyzing stuff. <laughs> like, I'll be like, like... Oh, this is good, but what if, what if that... Have got exactly! Power, they should have they done this, you know. No, it'll be like, man, that was a weird choice for the verse right there. Like, what? Or, like, production-wise, it'll be like, wow, that mix is really good. I have to yep. look up who their mix person is. Or, like, stuff like that. <laughs> where I'll be analyzing it, and Mom will just be like, just listen to the song. But... You know, it's just because you can't turn you can, it, I, yeah, that's it. You can't is, turn I mean, the brain but off. Part of part of analyzing that, I mean, it makes you a better songwriter yeah, yeah. as well. There's certain things about certain people, right? Yeah. Where, I mean, you can look at '90s country and you know see a pattern of like their writing style back yeah. then, and then you know go to early 2000s, 2010s. Like mm-hmm. it changes and evolves, and the music industry is always fluctuating. There is, I and, mean, it's going to be different yeah. tomorrow than it is today. Exactly. <laughs> it is. But it's it's fun to I I do um. I'm trying to learn more about production. You know, I have my own home studio and all that sort of stuff, but I have so much to learn, and I'm very fortunate that my producer is, like, he'll let me, like, sit in on sessions and all that sort of stuff when they're mixing and mastering. But um, 
I love to do uh, production studies where I'll pull up an artist that I love and be like, okay, let's go, let's listen down to just instrumentation and how mm -hmm. this builds. I'll see what the rhythm guitar is doing, what the lead guitar is doing, what elements do they have in certain areas to fill all the, you know, mm -hmm. the sonic space. And so you, you can just do that with songwriting as well. Okay, let's study Shane McNally. Let's, let's go down his list of songs. Yeah. And let's see what his thumbprint writing style is. Let's see what he leans towards. Mm -hmm. And you can learn a lot from that because there's definitely whoever says that there's rules to writing is full of crap but there are de there's definitely an art to it yes and there are certain things that can help and there are certain things that you can do to elevate your songwriting there's not rules per se but there are, there are certain rules that you learn so you could break them right. right where it's if you're aware of the rules then you can just go left field and it'll be great you can as long as you're getting from from a to b you exactly kind of yeah, take yeah. any route but um, it, yeah. it is it is super fun to analyze but again it's just the beauty of music i mean yeah do you so you, i mean you have music out i do um is there for everyone to find all the streaming sites you can go buy it i'm assuming yes website, you, you which, can guys buy music <laughs> just buy it because every time Please, every time broke. somebody streams a song specifically i mean specifically spotify i know spotify is like zero 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 three cents yeah which means for someone to earn three cents off one song, that is a thousand streams. A thousand streams for three cents. And real fast, little music industry 101 split thing. Mm -hmm. A typical song for just revenue gets split between at least 10 people. Mm -hmm. So for every stream, like, let's say a song makes $100 off streams, which is like, how many streams is that? Is that like half a million? Or something like yeah. that. I think that's what it is. Yeah. Like I haven't looked at the conversion thing in it's a while. It's about that. Yeah. Yeah. And so that a hundred dollars gets split by ten people almost immediately. Half of that immediately goes to the, the artist uh, and producer, depending on what their deal was. Half of that goes back to the songwriters, and then that songwriter split again. That fifty dollars that the songwriters get gets split again in half, twenty five, twenty five, and then that one twenty five gets split between all of, all of the songwriters. That other twenty five gets split between all the publishers. Yeah. So. Just, just quick music industry one on one. That's where your money is going. So please buy our music. Yeah, you're gonna make. And I mean, it, it's crazy when you think, and it's hard because if you don't have your music yeah. on streaming sites, you know that's the quickest and easiest exactly. way to reach yeah. people. Um, and the reality is that if if people, most people could not afford to go out and buy like physically buy a copy yeah. of everything they want to listen to. I mean, we consume so much music yeah. um, that you'd be out like two, three hundred. Well, I don't know. I would. I'd be, I'd be out a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, I do my best to I do my best to buy and support when I Thank can, you. because, yeah. I, you know, I think it's, it is important. And, and I see I see those numbers on streaming and it is it's rough, but it is. it's also a necessity, it especially is. as an independent artist you know yeah. i mean and it's a i won't say it's a shame because you can't say it's a shame but i mean you can it's a shame <laughs> that people use spotify i'll i'll just say that um it's a shame that people that spotify is the biggest platform because they yeah. are the biggest perpetrators of screwing yeah. over musicians and if if, if you are going to go stream go please get do tidal. apple music or, or title title yeah. is great right please. now um and you can get better quality songs on yes tidal. so TLDR of why Spotify sucks. Um, look up MMA. Uh, it's the Music Modernization Act. It is an act that has been in place since 2019, I want to say. It was during Trump's, uh, Trump's presidency. But um, they signed it then. It got approved. 
And then Spotify filed a countersuit, and it's been in court for the past four years. And so basically the MMA would... It's it's an appeal to raise streaming rates to at least uh, I forget what the at least a cent I mm-hmm. think is what it is, uh, for all streaming platforms yeah. as the bare minimum like a minimum wage type situation. And Spotify has been the main perpetrator of saying no to this, and even though they make billions yeah. of dollars in revenue, um, but it takes a lot for musicians and especially songwriters to get paid these days. Yeah. And I mean, the best thing you can do for an artist is show up to their shows and buy their merch and things like that. The best thing you can do for songwriters is buy the music. You know, if, mm-hmm. if you can buy a physical copy because mechanical, mechanical licenses are the biggest um, money earner for songwriters. Mechanical license is the license songwriters have to pay for physical copies. So um, those are becoming few and far between that mm-hmm. artists just even bother with those anymore and so um if you buy a physical copy that will go towards those songwriters as well as you know the artists and that that is the biggest payout an artist or a songwriter gets but um yeah or if you need to stream please use title or use apple music or something like that depending on what you have but the irony is that a lot of the times when i'm pushing the podcast out i mean i use the spotify link because the majority of people have it you know yeah um I, I push out the Apple podcast link and, and a lot of the time people are like, oh, I don't, a surprising amount of people don't use, don't have iPhones, which is wild. Yeah. Have, get iPhones, guys. <laughs> Everyone loves Apple. This episode of Sipping on Country is sponsored by <laughs> Apple. Not, I wish I'd be making more money. I'd be making any money, actually. <laughs> Join us next week for part two. Recorded at 2300 Studios in Nashville, Tennessee, original theme music by Gary Wood.